The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, Great to have you with us today. I am Pastor Chris, and uh, we're beginning this new series uh, on one of my favorite characters from the Bible, and I really hope he becomes one of yours, if not already, and that's the life of Daniel. Uh, The title of this series is One Word, Brave, because that is the characteristic of of Daniel. He was brave. Uh, He he really did have the courage to stand up for his faith against great opposition, and uh, I don't think this series could come at a more appropriate time uh, for followers of Jesus in our culture today. Uh, How do you take a stand in the right way at the right time for the right reason, for your faith. Now, I believe with all of my heart that the content of the next several messages over the next several weeks uh, could really impact your, your life in a very significant way because when we do take a stand for the right reasons at the right time in the right way, it can really change the course and the direction of our life and God can do something just amazing through us. Now, the flip side of that is true as well, and that's why this is so important. When we compromise, when we fail to take that stand, it can cost you more than you could ever imagine. And so over the next several weeks, uh, we're gonna take a look at having the courage to take a stand for your faith and the things that matter the most. And I wanna give you a little bit of backstory of where we're gonna be at today. We're gonna be in Daniel chapter one, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was the king at that that time. Say King Nebuchadnezzar, say that word with me, Nebuchadnezzar. Even sounds evil, doesn't it? I mean, you just wanna go boo, hiss, hiss when you hear hear his name. Um, But this guy was so evil, um, he didn't just destroy Jerusalem, the city. Uh, he burned their temple. And then kind of like to just pile it on, you know, to add insult to injury, when he went into their temple, he took all of their religious symbols and artifacts and he crushed them, he burned them, as if to say, hey, the worship of your God is so detestable to me that I'm going to take anything that resembles worship of of what you say is the one true God, and I'm going to burn it out of existence. Now, not only did he destroy the city, the temple, all the religious symbols, but to make it even worse, he decides that he is going to destroy their future as well as the present. Let me explain. Uh, Basically, he told his leaders, hey, I want you to go find like the sharpest, brightest sons of the royalty and nobles and and kidnap them. Bring them to me and we're going to indoctrinate them into our Babylonian culture for three years. We're gonna train them. Uh, They're gonna be the future leaders in our government. So I'm not only gonna destroy your present, I'm gonna take care of uh, your, your future. I'm gonna destroy your future, not just your past, but I'm gonna make the best of your best Mine, evil, evil king. So that's kind of the backstory. Now, if you would follow along with me, beginning in Daniel chapter one, beginning in verse three. 
It says the king ordered Ashpenaz, uh, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's servants, service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand. Basically, they look like Pastor Chris, okay? Um, <laughs> they look like many of you, okay? Uh, no physical defect, handsome, uh, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Basically, he said, hey, go out and you find anybody who was voted like most likely to succeed among the men and you bring them to me. Those are the ones that I want. And then he goes on to say, he was to teach them the language. In other words, I want them to speak like we speak. Okay? Keep that in mind. And then it says, and the literature of the Babylonians. In other words, I, only, I don't want them just to speak like we speak, know our language. I want them to think like we think. Uh, I want them to, you know, to have in their minds the, the culture and the literature and the writings of our great thinkers. And then it says, the king assigned to them the daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Because don't miss this. This is a very uh, intentional, strategic plan to indoctrinate these, these young men, these young boys into Babylonian culture, all things Babylonian. In other words, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted them to think like they thought. He wanted them to behave like they behaved, to believe what they believed. By the way, I think that that pretty much describes the strategy of our spiritual enemy today in our culture the prince of darkness, who wants those of you, those of us who are claimed to be followers of Jesus, right? He wants you to think like he thinks, believe like he believes, and he wants you to what? Behave like he behaves. In fact, you know, one of the uh, kind of a theme verse here at Coastal Community Church is uh, John 10, 10. And we know the second half of that verse that says, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. But the first part of that verse says this, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Think like he thinks. Believe what he believes. And behave like he behaves. Steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, you're never going to experience that abundant life if you simply think, believe, and behave like the evil one. And I would argue with all my heart, all day long, that it is completely impossible to be just a casual, sort of, kind of, cultural Christian and have any sense of victory over temptation, to have any sort of spiritual success. Again, to experience what Jesus said in the second part of that verse, life 
in all of its fullness. Now, you might push back a little bit or just simply ask the question, hey, Pastor Chris, okay, so what do you mean? What is a cultural Christian? Well, they're everywhere, right? I'm sure you know many. I mean, they're the people who would say when you go, hey, do you believe in God? Well, of course I believe in God. Come on. Are you a Christian? Well, of course I'm a Christian. I mean, I'm not something else, you know? So I gotta be a Christian. And uh, I go to church, you know, Christmas, Easter, all the big days, you know, got those covered. And uh, I was born in America, right? And my parents are believers. And so, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, is there any, you know, outward tangible difference in your life whatsoever because you say you follow Jesus. Well, I'm a good person. You know, I'm a lot better than my nasty coworker and my wicked neighbor. And, uh, but I, you know, I don't go overboard with it like some people do. You know, I don't, I don't take it too seriously, but I'm a Christian. Now, I would argue that it is completely impossible to be a sort of kind of casual cultural Christian and have any sense of spiritual victory over temptation in your life, any sort of success over the, the darkness in this world. You know, that, that you're never going to experience what Jesus said he came to bring, that life in all of its fullness, abundant, full, complete life, if you're still just a casual, cultural sort of Christian. You know, you can't be sort of in and have the victory that God wants you to have. What do we say here at Coastal? You need to be what? All, all in. All in. You know, it'd be like saying, well, you know, can you work out one time a, a year and be physically in shape? I'm trying to figure that one out still, but no, no, of course not. We know that, right? Well, okay, what about this? Uh, to all the, the married adults here, you can't say to your spouse once a year, I love you. And then for them to really believe that if there's no follow-up or, you know, you know, you don't interject that maybe several other times strategically throughout the year. You know, I don't think you can go to church for just an hour a week and expect to be growing and thriving spiritually. You know, you gotta, you gotta make the presence of God a priority in your life where you seek him. And you depend on him and you're living and dwelling in his word and where it's feeding you and renewing your mind and you're, you're walking by faith and the Holy Spirit is leading you. You can't be just a kind of, sort of, you know, cultural Christian and have the life and the victory that God intended you to have. In fact, that's kind of what the, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, uh, beginning in verse 11. Listen to this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can what? What does he say? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. 
but it's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to what? To stand your ground. And, and after you've done everything, to what? Stand. I think standing's pretty important. Take a stand. And I would submit to you, listen to this. You, don't miss this today. If you are never standing out and you're always just blending in, I'm not so sure you're following Jesus. Because when you follow him, listen, you will be different. You will be set apart. In fact, the word holy means to be set apart. Listen to this passage from 1 Peter chapter one. It says this, obey God because you are his children. Now, stop right there. That's pretty obvious, right? I mean, you're in the family of God. You're his child now. And so he says, okay, obey God. You are in his family. Obey him. Be obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of doing evil. You, you didn't know any better then, but now you must be what? Holy in everything you do, just as God, who chose you to be his children, is holy. He's saying, like it or not, you know, God's holy, he's called you to be holy. Now, the reality is, is anybody in here perfectly holy? Okay, if you are, could you leave because you're crazy, probably, number one, and the rest of us are not, okay, are not perfect. We're, you know, now, we are in process. If you're a believer, you're in the process of becoming more and more like God sees you now in Christ. And he sees you in Christ as holy and perfect and complete. And then one day when we, you know, we go to see him, it'll be made perfectly complete. But until then, we're in process. But there are times in the process where you have to stand out if you're following Jesus. I mean, it's a part of the deal. You, you know, it's not that you're drawing attention to yourself, but you're drawing attention to the, to the God that you want to bring glory and honor to. And that's what we're going to see happen in the life of Daniel and his three friends. Look at verse 6 and 7 back in Daniel 1 as the story goes on. Among those who were chosen from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 7, the chief official gave them new names to Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, why change their names? Well, let me give you a little bit more context here. First of all, how old were these guys? Now, we really don't know for sure. A lot of biblical scholars say that these guys were somewhere between the ages of like 12 and 15. I mean, seriously, they were like, middle school or, or freshmen or sophomores in high school. These were young guys. So they've been stripped of their identity, taken a thousand miles away from their home, crushed of all dignity, and the first thing the king wants is, I want your name. I'm gonna change your name. Why? Well, because their original names given to them by their parents were tied to the worship of the one true God. And all their new names were tied to the worship of false pagan gods. So essentially, every time somebody calls your name, it's a reminder. You're supposed to serve a pagan god. You don't worship your god anymore. You serve our gods. 
So they've been stripped of their identity. And then, it's, then he says they're going to change their diet. They're supposed to eat, we read earlier, the food that's prepared for the king. Now, at first reading, you got to be thinking like me, well, you know, that sounds pretty good. Nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, if you're going to eat food, you want the best food, right? You want the food that's been, you know, given to the king. Whatever that food is, I want it. Well, the problem was, though, is that the food that was prepared for the king, the meat, the wine, it had been dedicated to pagan gods. And so for Daniel and his friends, this created a real problem because they didn't want to do anything to dishonor Yahweh, the one true God. And everything they did, they wanted to bring honor and glory to him. And so in their minds, to eat and drink anything that had been dedicated to pagan gods would cross a line. And it would be disrespectful to God. Now, verse 8. In my mind, this is really the key verse for everything we're going to talk about today. And it really is a key verse for this entire series. It's going to lay a foundation for what we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. And I think it, the Holy Spirit could use it in your life today. Verse 8. But Daniel did what? Let's say it out loud together. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, I want you to notice something here. Daniel didn't fight back when his name was taken. Did you notice that? I mean, why? Now, we really don't know for sure. But maybe, maybe he was like, hey, you can give me whatever name you want. You know, you can tie that name to whatever God you want. I know who I am. You know, an outward name does not define who I am in my heart. I know inwardly, I will always worship, know, and serve the one true God. Call me whatever you want to call me, but my name is not something I'm going to stand up for. He didn't defend his name. When did he take a stand? He took a stand when God's name might be defamed. He stood up for God. He says, I'm not going to let you insult the name of my God. I have resolved not to defile myself and eat this food. Now, this is so important, and it's really the heart of my message today. Write this down. Daniel made a predetermined resolution. In other words, before the temptation was ever there, the Bible says he resolved he determined what he would do. He predetermined what he would do and what he would not do. And that's why he was successful. That's why God honored him. He resolved. You see, had he not predecided, had he not made a decision in advance, you know, you put the you put the food in front of him and he could have done what any one of us would have done and maybe have done in our own lives when we've compromised, when we've rationalized something that wasn't really right, and we knew it wasn't right, you know, we might have said, hey, this food looks pretty good. I mean, obviously God's hand was on it because it looks so good. You know, we, we might have said, hey, you gotta eat something. You know, I'll do it just this one time, and God will forgive me anyway. 
Hey, all the other Jewish boys, they're eating it. Doesn't look like God's striking any of them dead. You got to eat something. But here's the key. He predetermined. He resolved in his heart ahead of time. He made a decision before he was faced with the temptation to do what was right. He thought it through and he made a commitment in advance. That's resolve. And I would argue all day long For those of you who are followers of Jesus, your success in so many different areas of life, you know, the the, the determining factor of whether or not you're going to experience life in all of its fullness, whether or not you're going to have victory over temptation is going to be determined, listen to me, by what you decide ahead of time, by what you think through ahead of time. Many of you, and I don't know who, who this is going to be exactly, but I believe the Holy Spirit is going to personalize this for many of you today. You know, because there are some things in your life that you have got to make a predetermination about in your heart and in your mind. You need to think through some things and you need to make a commitment now before the temptation comes, before you're in a crowd, before you're with your friends. You you need to decide now that no matter what happens in the future, I am always going to do such and such or I will never do that. I have pre-decided to serve my God and to honor him in this way. Let me give you some examples. You know, this is especially true for those of you uh, who are parents, you know, or, or, you know, having babies. I mean, you know, we've we've, uh, made this kind of ongoing joke, you know, here at Coastal. I mean, literally, since January here at our church, we've had like, I think, 16, 17 babies born now. And we got like another five or six on the way. And there are three of you in this room right now that are pregnant and you don't know it. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway. It's in the chocolate milk. No, um, don't. Uh, but I mean, seriously, I mean, for those of us who, are, who have been parents for a little while, let, let me give you some advice here. Much of parenting, much of parenting is thinking it through ahead of time together and making a commitment in advance as a united front. It's resolved. It's predetermination. It's together, we're deciding now that this is a value in our home. That this is always going to be important. Together, we are deciding now to pray with our children. You know, make the decision ahead of time to read the Bible with your kids. You know, if you're married, you know, have the resolve now that you're gonna have a date night with your spouse. That church is always, corporate worship and and church is always gonna be a priority for your family. You know, maybe there's some single adults here today that need to make some resolve about your sexual purity. 
You know, the time to think through how far is too far is not when you're in the back seat of a car going, oh God, oh God, how far is too far? You know, what do I do now? You know, make a predetermined resolution now not to have sex until marriage. You know, not because God is, you know, angry, but because he knows best. Make a decision now. How about this one? How about just decide now who you will date and who you won't date? And so that way, when Mr. Slick comes around, you can go, nah, you know, come on. You know, he's not a believer. How about that be priority number one? You know, some of you, you'll predetermine not to do some things you used to do. You know, maybe you used to be a party animal and now you're a follower of Jesus. And so you're like, okay, I know, you know, easy one is I'm not supposed to get drunk. But that might mean for you now, maybe you go to the party and you don't drink. Or maybe you can't handle that. And so you've got to have the resolve now not to go to the party. What I'm saying is this. You predetermine in your heart what your stand is going to be. You know, not to be involved, you know, maybe for you it's uh, not to be involved in the discussions at your office where uh, people are trash talking the opposite sex or when, you know, they're having intimate conversations with people of the opposite sex. And you say, well, you know, everybody does that at work. You know, she talks about how bad her husband is and he talks about how his wife doesn't meet you know, his needs. You know, no, pre-decide. I'm not gonna go there. You know, I'm gonna be nice to people, but I'm not gonna open up and have those types of conversations. You predetermine what you're going to do ahead of the temptation. I've resolved in my heart. And by the way, let me, let me throw this out there too. Stop judging the stands of other people that they take. And just because you predetermine in your life, in your journey, this is the stand that you've got to make, you know, don't put that on everybody else. Man, I see that so often like on, in social media and Facebook. Listen, according to Romans 14, go home and read that chapter for yourself. Bible-believing, Jesus-loving people can sometimes come to different determinations about certain, you know, things that they will do or won't do, and you ought to be okay with that. All that said, here's the point I want to make. Because of what you've decided to do or not to do, here, here's the point. To honor God, to bring glory to God, you're going to stand out. You will. And if you are never standing out, ever, and you're always blending in. I'm not so sure you're following Jesus. That's what these guys did. And you know, when you read this, what sounds like a one-time event, one little verse, man, you don't realize they stood out day in, day out, week in, week out, lunch, they stood out, breakfast, they stood out, dinner, they stood out. They made one decision and it set them apart. And if you are following Jesus, you're going to discover over time, the closer you get to him, the more on some things you're gonna stand out. And you need to be okay with that and not be ashamed of it because of what Jesus did for you. Look at the wisdom of Daniel. 
Back to chapter one, verse 12. Uh, Daniel basically goes to this government official who's above him. He says, hey, here's the deal. I really don't want to eat this food. But, but here's what I'm going to say. Look at verse 12. Test your servants. Test us and test them. You know, kind of come up with a little, you know, a test for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. In other words, he says, hey, we're not going to eat that meat or the wine that's been dedicated to pagans. Just give us water and vegetables. And I know all the vegetarians in here are like, woohoo, that's right, Pastor Chris, you barbecue meat eating pastor. <laughs> vegetables. Um, I don't dedicate my barbecue to pagan gods, okay? <laughs> anyway, um, verse 13. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this test, agreed to this, tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than all the young men who ate the royal food. Wow. Now, I want you to notice though, what they did not do. I mean, instead of really just drawing the attention to themselves in some big protest, right? Wearing placards and marching. Oh, no, you don't. We're believers in Yahweh. We're not gonna eat that food to, you know, that's been dedicated to pagan gods. Instead of throwing a big fit, making a scene with wisdom, they presented a plan. They respected the authority above them and they said, hey, can we simply try something else and you determine what's the best for you? You see, here's my point. You can stand out for the right things in the right way, or you can even stand up for the right things, I think sometimes, in the wrong way. You've got to have wisdom. You know, God, is this worth taking a stand for? Or is this something that's really not that big of a deal? And if I could just be more as a, you know, a quiet, humble servant, I could bring more attention and glory to you than making, pitching a big fit. Listen, we're all gonna have opportunities and you've got to resolve in your heart, this is where I'm called to be different. I don't care if people make fun of me. You know, and, this, and it's really interesting. By the way, students, this is written about, you know, again, a, a freshman or sophomore in high school. Make, make the decision in advance. Hey, this is where I'm w willing to do. This is what I'm not willing to do. And this is okay. I don't care if people make fun of me because I'm a follower of Jesus. And then in verse 19, we see this. Listen to this. The king talked with him, and I love this. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Listen, God honored them. He blessed them because of their resolve. You read on, he gave them the ability to interpret visions and dreams. And he literally redirected the course of history because they simply stood up for what mattered. I mean, think about it this way. Had they compromised if they didn't have the courage to stand out, nothing historic would have happened. I, I'm willing to bet that's true of history. Had no one been willing to have the courage to stand up and stand out, 
Nothing historic ever happens. I don't know about you, but with all my heart, with all my heart, I'd rather be remembered for standing out than be forgotten for blending in. I'd rather be remembered for standing out than be forgotten for blending in. If you are always blending in, I'm not so sure you're following Jesus. By the way, we don't stand out to bring attention to ourselves and our own self-righteousness because it's easy when you hear a message like this to go that way and think, oh, okay, I can list a whole bunch of ways that I'm gonna stand out and be different from everybody else. You know what you're doing? You're just bringing attention to yourself and your own self-righteousness. I'm talking about taking a stand to bring honor and glory to God. We stand because Jesus took a stand and he died for us. And let me close with this. If you stand up for God, he'll stand up for you. You take a stand for God at your school, he'll take a stand for you. You take care of God's business, you take a stand for God in your workplace, he'll take care of your business. You take a a stand for God in your family, in your marriage, God will protect and bless your family in your marriage. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.